Welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. This series will question the assumption that people are psychologically broken and need to be fixed. We will talk about how seeing people as innately healthy will change all of your interactions and outcomes. This is a true paradigm shift, and it simplifies the entire process of dealing with mental distress and allows for more profound and immediate changes. Hi again, I'm Judy Sedgman. And I'm Christine Heath. And we're here together with another edition of Psychology Has It Backwards. Today, we're going to talk to you about diagnoses, focusing, of course, on mental health diagnoses. And one thing I want to make clear is that when you get a mental health diagnosis, it's not the same as a physical diagnosis that you might get, for example, for a chronic condition like fibromyalgia or something like that that's part of your, it's kind of built into your your, uh, physical system. A psychological diagnosis actually describes what happens when when we misuse, without realizing it, the beautiful gifts of the principles, the beautiful gift of thought. And interestingly enough, because the public and the world kind of hears the word diagnosis and thinks, oh my God, something's wrong with me. A lot of people just assume that now once you've got, you know, labeled with one of these things, it's part of you forever. And I, I've had that experience in working with some of the um, some of the veterans I worked with in a group that had PTSD is I would ask them, okay, how many people have had more than one diagnosis, mental health diagnosis? And hands would go up. And I'd I'd have to get to five or six before people stopped raising their hands. And sometimes when they would tell me what all they're, they'd accumulated them over the course of years of seeing different psychologists and psychiatrists and going to different VA hospitals and so on. And some of them, it wouldn't make any sense if you had this thing to have the other thing too, but they didn't know that. So they just, They would say things to me like, well, there's so much wrong with my mind is so messed up. I've got so many things wrong with me. I'll never get over any of it. And and it, it kind of breaks my heart to hear people talk like that. Because one of the things that you realize when you look into it is there was no such thing as diagnosis, mental health diagnoses until the mid 1950s, when the American Psychological Association decided it would be a good idea to catalog, um, what the kinds of things that go wrong with people. And in the initial very first edition of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, which is the Bible of psychology and psychiatry, there were only 106 diagnoses. And then the last one, there's something like 490 some. (laughs) So over the course of time, as people have increasingly found behaviors that they couldn't explain, They've made up diagnoses about them, called it something else, and then made it very complicated. And now it's so complicated that even, you know, trained people have trouble sorting it out. But I always think of the DSM as kind of a description of the many incredibly imaginative ways that people manage to use their thinking against themselves, mm-hmm. because that's how it looks to me. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, is that you see that we all think a lot alike because we manifest similar symptoms. You know, it's, it's very interesting to see how human beings are more alike in their thinking than they're different. Of course, the content of what they think is different, but the general categories and ways that people think tend to be the same, given the level of consciousness that we've all been living at. Yeah, yeah one of the 
one of the things that I noticed about um, diagnoses myself was that when I, especially when I was in graduate school, is I thought I had all of them. I remember one of my one of my <laughs> colleagues said, "Chris, that's not very becoming that you tell people that you have all these diagnoses." And I was like, "Well, I didn't think you were taking me seriously." You know, because I'd have these like moments. I mean, I did have, I was pretty depressed and anxious. So I had lots of things that I could focus on, but I'd go through some pretty heavy doing diagnoses and think that that was me. And that's the deal is people start to think that whatever they're told they are, that that's what they are, mm-hmm. that, that they're the product of how thought works rather than seeing that what they are is the, the, the thinker. Yeah. And so when we focus on, that's why we think psychology has a backwards, right? Because the diagnosis is based on describing the symptoms after the fact. So after a person gets in an insecure state of mind, their thinking creates this anxiety or whatever it is. And, and everybody has different little symptoms with that, and they're, but they're similar. And, and so we start to make things out of it, you know, that so people will, Talk about well, that's my depression or that's my anxiety. Like it's a like it's your puppy dog, you know yeah. that kind of comes along with you. And and sometimes you put it in the kennel and it's okay and it doesn't bother you. And other times you take it out and you play with it. And other times it's like driving you nuts. But it's not a thing. It's just a momentary example of how thought and consciousness create how we experience life. So whatever the experiences that we're having is coming from our own thinking, not from life, but that, that kind of middleman that's in the middle telling us what we're seeing in life and what it all means. And so we're reacting to our thinking, but it appears as if we're kind of reacting to life. So when we don't know anything about this, we don't know that our experience is coming from our thinking. It seems like it's coming from the outside world. So we do more of the same until pretty soon we can't function. We go to a doctor and he said, oh, I see you have anxiety. We'll give you this medication. <laughs> and, and really, you don't have it all the time. When, like, when you're anxious, there are times when you're not. There are times when you're feeling good. Like I, I was saying this earlier that I saw a, a young woman who's probably going to listen to this. She'll know who she is. And she went, she's like really depressed and anxious and she went to her friend's house out of the city um for the weekend and she had a great time she played with the dog and she was with their family and she was laughing and having a good time i said well, so what was different about you well i just wasn't thinking about this stuff i said right <laughs> yeah. you know it's too simple it's like well, it can't be that simple yeah but what about my what about my uh depression what about this well, yeah. then when she, she starts thinking about the fact that she's got this thing called a depression, then she gets really depressed because then it's like, it's, it's kind of felt to me like when I was depressed that it was like a security blanket that I'd kind of like, oh, that's right. My life sucks. Oh, that's right. Nobody loves me. Oh, that's right. Everything is hard for me. Oh, why can't I be happy? And it felt like I was in a, like a blankie, you know, like you have when you're a kid. And then you get, you go into it like, oh yeah. And then all of a sudden, it's the blankets got fleas. It's like, oh, wait, wait, this isn't good. Yeah. And so you, you know, wake up and come out of it. I think that is so, so great describing that because I can't tell you the number of clients that I have that have been through so much therapy and so many, they've read so many self-help books and everything, and they've taken this very seriously. And so when they come in to, to start talking to me, they'll say, well, you know, I have anxiety and depression and I'm being 
given these following medications and I've been on these medications since I was a teenager and you know this has been a problem for me I guess probably even before that I just didn't get diagnosed until my mother got worried about me and they they will tell you this whole history and if you ask the question well so are you always anxious and depressed like every minute every waking minute of your life and they would you know, stop. And sometimes people say yes, and I'll, and I'll have to kind of probe. And I'll say, okay, for example, do you ever go to the movies? Well, sure. You know, so have you ever found yourself laughing in a funny movie and just feeling really lighthearted and enjoying the movie? Yeah. So were you depressed then? Well, it was waiting. <laughs> it was waiting until I got out of the movie and it would jump out at me again. I mean, they really believe it's like having a little creature, you know, uh-huh. like devil in your body that's just can't wait till you quiet down for a minute so I can grab you and the irony of that is it looks true because your thinking becomes your reality Mm -hmm. so if you walk out of the movie and you start thinking to yourself on the way out I was laughing in the movie but you know I that's not me I'm depressed and then you start building the case again for your depression the next thing Mm -hmm. you know your head is filled with depressing thoughts and you get to be right Mm-hmm. And, I, and honestly, I, I'm in, in all innocence. I did that to myself for years. You know, I would, I would have I mean, a wonderful time sometimes, and then I'd start thinking about my work or the things that upset me, and I'd right away it would all come back, and I'd think, I just can't get rid of this. You know, I'm stuck mm-hmm. with this depressing thinking. And uh, when I learned the principles, I was so surprised. I really was. Mm-hmm. I was, I was like, "You're kidding me! It's mm-hmm. me." It's doing this. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I couldn't believe it either. It was shocking to me to to see that I was bumming myself out and didn't know it. You know, that's the the thing. The other thing too is that people are are given their diagnosis by a person they respect, a therapist, a doctor, somebody that they think know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. And so, if the doctor thinks that anxiety, depression is the thing that you're going to have for the rest of your life, they're probably not going to be very hopeful about you getting better. Right. So, I mean, not everybody's like that. So you go to a doctor and, and you want to make sure that you're going to a doctor that's hopeful about your ability to get better, that you're not stuck with, um, you know, a trauma that happened 30 years ago and therefore you're going to be depressed for the rest of your life. Well, that's not very hopeful. And no wonder you get depressed because what are you going to do about that? But that's kind of the deal is that we, we kind of think of diagnoses, especially psychological diagnoses, as um, a fact. Like this is the way you are and you're going to be that way to the rest of your, for the rest of your life. And my doctor told me so, therefore, it must be true. Plus, so I have this medicine. And, yes. And then they give you medicine to treat this condition. Okay. And, and so now you're convinced that it's true, but are you better? No. So <laughs> I would say like, look, at, I mean, for me, I remember I was taking antidepressants and I took it because I wasn't sleeping at night. I wake up four or five times a night and I start taking the antidepressants and did I stop waking up? No. So finally one night I thought, well, why am I taking these stupid pills if, I, if I'm not sleeping anyway? So you know what? I stopped taking the pills. I haven't had a sleeping problem since. Huh. It was That's- very weird. But it was just something like I knew, like, this is ridiculous. What am I taking these pills for? It's yeah. not helping me at all. So you got to really trust yourself, and you have to trust what you know about yourself and your health. 
you can't like go into this illusion that, oh my gosh, I've got this awful thing. Because A, it's not very hopeful. And B, it'll keep you from seeing what you can do to help yourself. Right. And you give your power away to somebody who tells you you've got this condition that'll be with you for life, even though you didn't have it over the weekend. Yeah. And you also give your power away to your own most distressing thinking. In other words, like one of the things that happens to us, and I could see it in myself in retrospect, looking back, is that for the most part, I was a pretty happy person, but I had certain things that once they got on my mind, it was really hard for me to get them off my mind and I'd get going with them and I'd really work it for a while and I'd feel terrible. And somehow the times when I was upset loomed larger in my thinking about myself than the times that I wasn't. Because the problem is when we're not upset, we're in the present moment, we're in the now, we're just enjoying life one thought at a time, and we're not thinking about ourselves at all. That's a hallmark of mental health. <laughs> You're just not, you don't have your yourself and your past and your worries or anything on your mind. You're just enjoying life moment to moment. And so as soon as my thinking would go back to, but wait a minute, what about this? What about that? And I'd get all worked up. That would look more real to me. It would, it would stand out to me more than the times mm-hmm. when I was just kind of floating through life feeling pretty good. Mm-hmm. So I think, see, well, that's the exception. The rule is I'm depressed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, honestly, I see, I see it now so clearly in other people, you know, but for years I didn't see it in myself or in anybody else because everybody I knew was depressed, basically. I really, yeah. I was in business and everybody in my world was stressed and depressed. I mean, Stress was like the red badge of courage. Mm-hmm. You know, it meant you were really successful and hard driving and really doing something in life. And so, you know, I, I, to me, like not being depressed was childhood. You know, I was grateful that all those years I was a child, I was so happy and I didn't have a thing on my mind. But now I'm an adult and adults have these serious, serious things to think about. Mm-hmm. And however you think about them becomes like a really bad photograph taken at a dinner party it's like suddenly that's the only picture you remember right yeah it's funny how we give that we give our negative thinking more credibility like it's more true than our than our health probably that's just the level of consciousness of the world yeah but you know uh, let me tell you this little story before we end because when I was before I learned the principles and I was seeing a psychologist and I was trying to you know um deal with myself. And um, I remember one day I thought I'm going to, she wanted me to take the MMPI, which is a Minnesota multiphasic inventory, which is this God awful long thing about how do you feel? And I thought, okay, I'm going to take this and I'm going to answer it how I feel when I'm in my lowest mood. (laughs) (laughs) Great idea. (laughs) So she, she looks at it and she goes, Oh dear. And I was like, Oh, I am really crazy. Oh, dear. That's true. <laughs> Luckily, I learned the principles soon after that. So it was, uh, it was the, but I remember it's just like that. I became this more significantly mentally ill person than, than she thought because I answered this question based on my lowest mood. It's not really how I was most of the time. Right. So that's what happens when we don't feel good, right? We go to the doctor, we tell them how we feel when we're in our lowest moods, and then they say, oh, well, you have this condition, and now I'm going to give you this medication because you're never going to get over it. Mm -hmm. And fortunately, now we have a pill for that. 
And that's unfortunate. I mean, there are so many different medications now that are available that, uh, you know, it, it makes it too easy. I think that two things have happened in the field. There's been pressure to see more patients quicker because there's such a demand for mental health services and there are not enough providers, to be honest. And so where people might have spent more time talking to you or, you know, spending time kind of trying to understand you when they could spend an hour with you now, people generally have 20 minute appointments and doctors are grateful that there's medicine. You know, they think, oh, well, thank God I can give this person a pill that will help them to feel better because I really can't talk to them for that long. And, you know, that's all innocent. It's, I'm not saying not casting blame here. It's the way the system has evolved. The more people notice their negative thinking and seek professional help, the more demand there is for professional help. And, the, and there aren't really, there are not enough professional people in the mental health field to see, to meet the demand. And so they've just shortened the, you know, insurance companies and pharmaceutical companies have filled the gap. The insurance company says, well, we're only going to pay for so many minutes for this particular malady. And on top of that, there's a pill for that. Mm-hmm. And so don't worry about it. Just give the person the pill. So because everybody is making the same assumption that once there's something wrong with you, it's wrong with you. And you know, so if this seems radical to you and it seems uh, out of sync with things that you might have thought before, we're just asking you to kind of check in with your common sense and see if it makes sense to you. Mm-hmm. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about how we've been looking at things backwards. And so that's how it looks when somebody's acting like that. That must be the way they are, right? And so if you turn it around and say like, oh, no, they're okay, and then they think, then it's a whole new game, isn't it? So if you're you're feeling bad and you're depressed, don't feel bad about that. Just be open to seeing that you can be healthy and you can get better. And don't let anybody else tell you that you can't. Don't, I don't care who it is. Don't let them tell you that you can't get better because you are better frequently and you could spend more time there. Yes, and that's the hope. The hope is, you know, we, we'd like to put ourselves out of business. You know, <laughs> we'd love to see everybody kind of learn very, very early in life that our thinking does create the reality and we're the thinker. And as we create these various distressing ideas in our own minds, um, they begin to look like bad things to us. They look like there's something really wrong with us. But it's not really wrong with us. It's the ability that we have to think of anything and then all looks real to us while we're thinking about it. So. Okay. Well, I think that's it for today. Right. We'll see you on our next episode. Right. And all of you take care of yourselves. We hope you heard something new and that you will continue to join us to challenge the prevailing thinking about the possibilities for health in everyone. To subscribe to the podcast, Visit our website at psychologyhasitbackwards.com 